All right, we've got a huge show for you today, folks. We are gonna go through the full timeline, all the information we have from Texas, from the shooting, what the police did and didn't do, and the times that everything happened. But first, I wanna tell you a little bit about what's going on at TPUSA. So you go to tpusa.com right now, and as we're filming this documentary, The Great Global Reset here in Europe, you can also already, early, Get your advanced copy of The Conservative Response to the Great Reset by Charlie Kirk at tpusa.com for any donation amount, even as little as $1. Next, you go to tpusa.com slash SAS and secure your tickets for the Student Action Summit coming up July 22nd to 24th. Guys, this is going to be Tampa, Florida. President Trump's going to be there. A certain Floridian governor might just be there. And if you use promo code POSO, P-O-S-O in all caps, you will get 25% off and access to this exclusive event. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily powered by Turning Point USA. Today is May 27th, 2022, Anno Domine, coming to you audio only because we are still on travel today here in Europe following the events of the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization Assembly, both in Davos and Geneva. Some of that audio that you might hear in the background, well, that's because we're here live reporting from the field for you. Today's top headlines. The Texas police lieutenant has stated that officers waited outside the Uvalde school for over 40 minutes because they were worried about being shot. We're going to give you the entire timeline on that. Next, leaked audio reveals the CCP's invasion plans for Taiwan, or is it a ruse? Third, Kissinger urges Russia-Ukraine peace talks, but Ukraine is hitting back. And finally, actor Kevin Spacey has been charged with four counts of sexual assault of men in the UK. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. So first up today, the story about the Texas police in Uvalde, Texas. Now, I think this is something that has really captured the attention of our entire nation, people trying to make some sense of this completely insane tragedy where a young madman went into a schoolhouse in Texas, targeted children, executed children, and we have video of police officers standing around outside and some of the officers, in fact, restraining parents and family members who were trying to get inside to save their children. There's also a lot of conflicting information about just who the officers were that were involved throughout this entire ordeal. Some were local police, yet we're also hearing that Border Patrol and now even federal agents were involved in this situation. We need a full accounting and a full investigation of what went on here. One of the latest headlines that I'm seeing out of Zero Hedge suggests that the shooter was outside firing for up to 12 minutes. That's outside the school before he even entered. How does this happen? How does the school not go on complete lockdown when you hear gunshots like that just outside? Next, we also heard that a mother trying to save her children was handcuffed by federal marshals. She broke free was able to get out because a local uh, police officer had let her out. She ran in and was able to save her children. Of course, also hearing this heartbreaking story of one of the husbands, the husband of the teacher who died saving children, who died sacrificing herself 
throwing herself, we're hearing reports now that she threw herself in front of the oncoming bullet fire to defend the children. Her husband died of a heart attack the day later. They had four children. So many families have been ripped apart by this event. But let's go back to this timeline. Now, the internet has done a pretty good job of piecing together what they can of the timeline because the authorities just simply won't do this. And by the way, I'll explain to you why that is. The reason the authorities are not putting out an official quote-unquote timeline is because they are still getting the official timeline straight, which means they're still getting their stories straight in terms of all of this. So here's what we've got so far. And of course, this is all subject to change because we don't know all the information yet. But from what we've been able to put together, the first 911 call comes in at 11.30. At 11.40, the shooter enters the school. At 11.44, the Uvalde police and sheriff's department officers enter the school, take fire, retreat, and request backup. At 11.54, one of the parents, Angel Ledesma, started a Facebook Live video. That video lasts for a full hour. It'll be interesting to see if Facebook allows it to stay up. Finally, then at 12.44, the Bortac tactical team entered and killed the suspect. That means for a majority of this time, 40 to 50 minutes, according to this timeline, that we've been able to cobble together, it doesn't seem like there was any engagement of this shooter for all that time. And all that time that those family members were desperately trying to get in, trying to save their kids, begging to the officers to go in and do something. Turned around, got pepper sprayed in one case, detained. One mother put in, a mother put in handcuffs in Texas while a madman was inside a schoolhouse targeting her children. Something has gone deeply, deeply wrong in our society. Something has gone wrong with the social contract. This is, it's about the police, but it's bigger than just the police. And I want to be very clear about that. I'm be very clear about that. But something has fundamentally gone wrong in our society. Now for me, I view it simply as this. We've forgotten about God. We forgot about God. We forgot about our obligations to one another. We forgot about doing the right thing. Even if we don't have official approval or official permission, you need to go and do the right thing when it's time to do the right thing. Any member of those officers would be a hero, hailed throughout the country now. But instead, the entire country is looking at them, asking what went wrong and why were you enforcing the law against parents of the victims rather than the criminal himself, the madman inside. Texas Governor Abbott, he needs immediately to launch a statewide review because we've also heard, by the way, the Biden administration has come out, talk about a red flag, the Biden administration has come out and said they won't be launching an investigation of what happened there. How does that make any sense? That's your clue. That's your big red flag right there. The Biden administration saying that they won't be conducting investigation. Well, first of all, that's got to get overturned. And second of all, Governor Greg Abbott, it's time to get a move on. It's time to pick up the phone, hold a press conference, whatever you have to do, sir. Series of tweets, sign it off. Full investigation now.
We need to fix our society. It doesn't have to be this way. But it took decisions upon decisions to get us here, and it will take work to get us out of this. So I've been over here in Europe with Tanya, been having a great time, doing a lot of work, a lot of reporting, but one thing that we keep talking about is what are we going to order next for our Good Ranchers case, and I think I've got it figured out. I think I've got it figured out, because I've got to tell you, we've been eating this European food, but I really love, I just can't wait to get home and sick my teeth into the prime and upper choice quality beef. This is steakhouse quality. It's beef, chicken, and seafood, and it's all, guess what, 100% American meat. You can't get that in Europe. You just can't. The ribeyes, the T-bones, the New York strips, they don't have them here. They've got stuff in Europe, but it, folks, it just ain't the same. It really just ain't the same. I'm talking about the signature steak burgers, the Wagyu burger, burgers, packed full of additional flavor, pre-trimmed, pre-marinated chicken breasts. They are so delicious and easy to prepare. Actually, quite frankly, they're better than organic. You get this delivered directly to you. And by the way, if you use promo code POSO, and you got the, we have the link in the description. I'm going to talk to the producers. I'm going to make sure they get the link in the description. They always do. They always do. They do a great job. Goodranchers.com slash POSO. When you use promo code POSO here, you get free express shipping on your Good Ranchers package. So make sure that you utilize this offer. You get the package. You get it sent directly to you. Trust me, you are going to love it. Good Ranchers American Meat Delivered. The link is in the description. Based on the indicators available to the intelligence community, do you agree that the threat to Taiwan is acute between now and 2030? Yes. I think it's fair to say that it's critical between in, or acute between now and 2030. I think that's absolutely fair. I, what is hard to tell is how, for example, whatever lessons China learns coming out of the Russia-Ukraine crisis might affect that timeline, as well as, as you indicated, you know, whether or not our capabilities, Taiwan's capabilities, other decisions that will have to be made between now and then that will affect the timeline. It's our view that uh, they are working hard to effectively put themselves into a position in which their military is capable of taking Taiwan over our intervention. But I think that is something that they are trying to achieve, even as what General Barrier stated earlier is true, which is to say that they would prefer not to have to use military force to take Taiwan. They'd prefer to use other means. Well, new leaked audio has come out of the CCP purporting to reveal China's plan to invade Taiwan. Of course, this would be predominantly a naval amphibious landing. However, I want to be very clear about something because I've seen a lot of people talk about this. A lot of people say, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. They're letting us know. Keep in mind, that there are always various attack plans or what's known as operational plans in the U.S. Department of Defense that are on the shelf. This is something that when I was in the intelligence community that we studied. We Guess what? We've got attack plans for Iran. We've got attack plans for Russia. We've got attack plans for North Korea. And you better believe we have attack plans for China on the shelf. Just because you are discussing one of them does not mean you are planning to put one of them into effect. And we certainly do have one on the books for a Taiwan invasion scenario because, of course, that would be the most likely kinetic, um, kinetic engagement in East Asia vis-a-vis -vis China. However, it's rapidly approaching that the South China Sea might also be one of these engagements. So what I mean to say is 
Militaries around the world are constantly working on these types of plans. Why? Because that's what the military is for. You are planning for whatever might be the next potential great power or um, or soft power target, right? Target set, whether it be a transnational criminal organization, transnational terrorist organization, drug enforcement, whatever type of operation you're doing, or you're going to be conducting, you want to plan ahead. So in this clip, the CCP, specifically the People's Liberation Army and Navy, are talking about 140,000 soldiers and 953 ships. This would be a full invasion scenario, right? This would be if China was planning to go all the way in. Now, one thing that I've argued for in the past is that, really, the CCP might not even need to do a full-on amphibious assault of Taiwan. Because keep in mind, they want to control Taiwan. They want to own Taiwan. They don't want to have to rebuild Taiwan, and they certainly don't want to have to invade, um, slaughter thousands and thousands of people, set the entire island on fire, and then come in and, and act as if they're welcome to some sort of liberator. So what's more likely, I still think, or I should at least say potentially likely, is that China comes in with a blockade. You set up a blockade of Taiwan, and you keep the, you that would essentially pit you against the U.S. Navy, and then you would say, "Come and try us, come and try us. Don't fire a shot, but blockade the entire island. Prevent, and that would include air, by the way. So prevent, lock down the airspace. They would essentially be the essentially be the ones shutting down the airspace, or at least as much of it as possible, and then say." To any air, allied aircraft or any aircraft from outside, from the west, if you come in, we will fire, right? Then the ball would be in the court of the United States. The ball would be in the court of the Biden regime. What would they do? I argue that in, an, in a blockade scenario, the Biden administration backs down. I don't see them. I don't see them doing other. Sure, they'll send the Navy out. They'll go. They'll look at them face to face, but they won't break it. They won't cross it. The Biden administration is not willing to do so. And eventually, then, it would be a siege. You would see a siege tactics used against the entire island of Taiwan. Look, you, th you don't believe me, you know, right? They're doing the same thing to their own people right now in Shanghai. The exact same thing. They're starving them out. They're turning it into a pr an open prison of 29 million people. You don't think they would do that to the island of Taiwan? Get real. They'd do it, and they would do it in a second. That's how the CCP thinks. They realize that it would be much cheaper than a full-on invasion, full-on amphibious assault. And of course, the military wants to do that because the military always wants to use the military to solve problems. But in an effective blockade scenario, it would be very, very hard, very, very hard to, uh, for the people in Taiwan over time to be able to fight back. What, how do you react to that? you, Lavrov. That's a pretty clear answer. And since, of course, we're talking about great power conflict and the decline of American society, we, of course, have to turn our attention to Eurasia. What is going on right now in the killing fields, the bloodlands of the Donbass, Donetsk, Lugansk, these provinces, where the encirclement operations of the Russian military fighting back and forth with the Ukrainian front in the trenches. You've got trench warfare versus artillery warfare right now. Long-range weapons being used by the Russians. It is a dire situation. And yet more material is coming out from the West, 
more uh, artillery, some longer range equipment, but at the same time, as we've seen again and again, the equipment that is sent over by the Western nations to the Ukrainians seems to be the least amount of stuff or the, or the least capable stuff, the oldest stuff, stuff uh, equipment that's um, rapidly becoming obsolete, rusty missiles. This is uh, the situation that we're in. Kissinger came out this week and made a huge statement at the World Economic Forum. Nobody expected him to say this, by the way. Kissinger is usually seen as something of a warmonger. But Kissinger comes out at the World Economic Forum and says it's time for Ukraine to sue for peace against Russia and then said, even at the expense of ceding territory. Now, I noticed I mentioned that on Twitter the other day, and there were some people who said, well, you know, does that mean ceding territory back to the February 24th status quo, the status quo pro ante, or does that mean going further? Well, what it means, it depends on who you ask, right? Because to the Ukrainian government currently, they view ceding Crimea and Donbass as ceding territory. They have, not sta- they have stated that they will not accept that which means, of course, the fighting goes on. Now, the response has come back from Ukraine. And as you can be expected, uh, you've got Ukrainian MPs, Ukrainian government officials cursing out um, cursing out Kissinger, cursing out Lavrov, uh, saying uh, one of the main statements that we've seen here is, I think Kissinger lives in the 20th century, and we are in the 21st century, and we are not going to give up any inch of our territory. That's from a Ukrainian MP, Goncharenko. So obviously, as you can see, this is a very complex and contentious situation. You have on one side the power of the Russian state, a resurgent CSTO, that's Russia and their allies in Central Asia, and of course, partnering with the CCP. Now, it's very interesting to me to look at in this situation is that the CCP seems to be partners with both sides. Well, what do you mean, do I say? The CCP, of course, isn't providing uh, arms to the Ukrainians. You do see Turkey supplying the Bayraktar um, drones, armed drones, missile drones, guided missile drones to the Ukrainians, but you don't see China supplying weapons. However, you do see China, of course, not participating in the sanctions with Russia. Then, on the other side, though, you see China completely in bed with the elites of the West when it comes to the World Economic Forum in Davos. I was just there. It just ended yesterday. The CCP was everywhere. And guess what word? Guess what word you did not hear once during the entire World Economic Forum? It was the word Taiwan. The island nation of Taiwan. It wasn't mentioned. It wasn't even talked about. Ukraine was everywhere, all over, as it should be. Yet when it comes to Taiwan, when it comes to the island, and the people there, and the threat faced by the CCP, it's as if they don't even exist. And why is that? It's quite simple. Because the West is in an economic relationship with China, and and China is in a military relationship with Russia, military and economic. Now, this is the issue. This is the great issue going forward. How does it make sense for us? And this was something, by the way, that President Trump understood. He understood it completely. That if you wish, if you wish to diminish the CCP's malign influence in the world as our greatest threat, and this is something that Kissinger spoke about as well, you need to isolate them economically. What does that mean in practice? It means tariffs. It means 
cutting off the symbiotic and conjoined relationship between the American Chamber of Commerce, American Wall Street, and the People's Republic of China. Does that mean economic pain in the short term, in the near term? Does that mean that you're not going to be able to go buy cheap, you know, knockoff brand televisions at Walmart anymore? It might. It absolutely might. But you know what? You can get your country back. You can get your country back. And you just start onshoring manufacturing jobs, onshoring sourcing and procurement. Because otherwise, you will find yourself living either completely in debt, living in a tiny little box or a pod or a cube. And sure, you'll have your big screen TV that was made in China. But look at your, where your standard of living will be. Look at the standard of living that was, has been diminished throughout the United States since the era of globalization took form. Now, I don't mean for the elites. I mean for the normals. I mean for everybody else. Because I got to tell you guys, I've been in Europe now. I've been covering, uh, we did CPAC Hungary. We did Davos. We did Geneva. Went through Zurich. The average person in Europe does not live like the average person in America. So you better wake up. And you better wake up fast. Because the American standard of living is rapidly falling compared to the rest of the world. And you've got people in government and you've got people in the corporate mainstream media that don't even want to talk about it. Well, what will they do? They'll send $40 billion over to the war effort in Ukraine. They won't spend money on defending our schools, defending our children. No, no money for that. Or certainly not $40 billion at the crack of a hat. No, instead, instead, we live with the situation we get. And as I said before, folks, it doesn't have to be like this. We made it here because of decisions. And if we make the right decisions, we can get out. I've been surprised by all of it. Um, and I've been very gratified by the response that I've gotten from so many people. I hope that uh, everyone who's dealing with these sorts of situations does feel the courage to uh, come forward. I think that all of this is an important step to help dismantle the machinery that allowed this sort of thing to continue. And finally today, certainly one of the craziest stories that we've seen in recent times, but maybe, just maybe, crazy stories are starting to become the norm. Kevin Spacey, the actor, charged with sexual assault of three men in the United Kingdom. We have the story from the New York Post. Kevin Spacey was charged in the UK with four counts of sexual assault against three men on Thursday as he appeared in a Manhattan court to testify in a separate sex assault lawsuit brought against him in New York. The two-time Oscar winner, 62, has been hit with the charge of causing a person to engage in sexual activity without consent, the Crown Prosecutor Service said. The alleged incidents took place in London between March 2005 and August 2008 and somewhere in Western England in April 2013. The alleged victims are now in their 30s and 40s. The UK charges stem from a probe of evidence gathered by the Metropolitan Police. News of the char criminal charges were announced as the American Beauty star appeared in that courtroom in the civil suit against them. Of course, he's been declining. He is not responding to any of the statements on this. And what's interesting, folks, if you go back to 2016, if you go back to 2016, what did they say? They said that Kevin Spacey was the king of Davos. And this is what they do. These are the elites. This is how they use their power. 
they feel that the rules don't apply to them. But then when one of them becomes not useful anymore, when one of them becomes tainted, when one of them becomes disgraced, well, then you throw the book, then you throw the book at them and you prop up new elites. Keep in mind that Kevin Spacey knows a lot about the rings that go on in Hollywood, about the, the way the Hollywood system is used to prey on young men and women who are trying to get into the industry. And it's the same story you'd hear from Harvey Weinstein, right? And I'm not speaking in specifics of this case. I'm just talking in generalities. But it's that idea of, come on, you want this part, right? It's only a couple of minutes. You'll be fine. And then you'll get the part. And then you'll get to be a star. Everybody does it. It's no big deal. These are the types of predatory behaviors that we've seen again and again in so many of these cases through Hollywood. Now, believe it or not, the other case that's going on in Hollywood right now is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, And in that sense, in that situation, it seems as though all the evidence that we've seen now, obviously not any sexual abuse or sexual assault that we've heard of or have seen any evidence of, but what we have seen are uh, multiple evidences, multiple counts of evidence against Amber Heard at times when she even admitted writing the op-ed against Johnny Depp. What do I mean to say about all this, folks? Hollywood is a sick place. These people are sick. We need to stop propping them up. We need to go back to a time long ago when we used to consider actors and acting as an unseemly profession. I don't think the profession ever changed. It was only our view of it. And the same, by the way, ought to apply to journalists in the mainstream media. An unseemly profession. They're not interested in propping anyone up. They're only interested in tearing people down. And that is all the time we have today, Human Events Daily, that actually wraps up this week of us, reporting live from all across Europe this week. From the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, we are here live giving you the -the on-the-ground reporting as to what's going on. I know there's some audio in the background, but that's what happens when you go out into the field. We here on Human Events Daily, we get out of the studio and we go into the real world. What do we talk about today? Texas police lieutenant saying officers waited because they were worried about being shot. We talked about the leaked audio revealing the CCP's plan to invade Taiwan. Talked about Kissinger urging Russia-Ukraine peace talks and Ukraine hitting back. And finally, Kevin Spacey being charged in the UK with four counts of sexual assault. Remember, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us. Share this out with one, just one of your normal, your normie friends and leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your politics. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. Today, May 27th, 1916. And I know, Domine, President Woodrow Wilson, who I've said is the grandfather of globalism, addressed the League to Enforce Peace, founded in 1915 and giving public support to the idea of a League of Nations. The World Health Organization is holding their international assembly in the League of Nations building, which is now controlled by the United Nations. Don't you guys get it? The names change, but the agenda stays the same. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.